Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome back to Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, and we've got a great show lined up for you today with the largest team of farm news reporters in Texas standing by. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. The 2020 tropical season is seeing all kinds of firsts, and they're not good. More from Extreme South Texas in today's report. The State Fair of Texas may be canceled, but you can still get your taste of State Fair food. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have that story coming up. A Texas Panhandle cattle feeding representative chosen to chair an EPA committee. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Plus, we'll have an update from Washington and a complete look at the markets. But first, here's a look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. The Texas sheep industry will get a needed shot in the arm this fall when the old rancher's lamb processing plant in San Angelo comes back online. The plant has been purchased by Double J Meat Processing and Lamb Feeders of Colorado. Jay Hasbrook's family owns Double J. That facility hasn't been used to kill lambs since 2005. Uh, it's a nice facility, just needs a little bit of work. So we've, we've started in on the work and, uh, you know, we've got... High hopes, I guess you could say, for that plant. It's it's in great shape. The harvest floor looks great. Uh, we're just doing a few different things to it, and uh, we're looking forward to opening it up as soon as we can. The plant will be able to both harvest and fabricate lambs. Hasbrook says that fabrication aspect is key. Correct. That's exactly why we bought that plant because of the. We're hoping to get uh, you know up as soon as possible to harvest lambs, and then you know soon after that get the fab opened up. Work is already underway on the plant, and the hope is to have it up and running this fall. You know, we're really hoping that uh, in two to three months, we're harvesting our first lambs, and maybe a month or two after that, we're fabbing them also. We, you know, we'd like to get everything up and rolling this year. You know, we, we've got contractors working on it. Uh, my father and I have both been back there. So, I mean, we're working it now. We've got guys, you know, on the ground there uh, taking applications, um, contractors working, getting the offices up to speed. So, I mean, it's, it's a work in progress right now. The plant was originally built in 1998 and has a capacity of 1,700 to 1,800 head a day. The 2020 tropical season is seeing all kinds of firsts, and they're not good. Jim Hearn has more from the Rio Grande Valley. The tropical season is alive and well as Marco and Laura have made landfall on the western Gulf Coast. Now, this is the first time that two hurricanes have been in the Gulf of Mexico at the same time. Rainfall will be measured now in feet, not inches. Cotton producers are facing a September 1st cotton stock plow down here in the valley, and the TDA has said they're not going to grant any mass exemptions. But because of some producers still underwater with uh, fields too wet to plow, individual exemptions may be needed. Many growers have put the disc to the fields with no harvest potential, and they've been zeroed out for crop insurance. Sesame, a 
really crop we don't say much here in the valley about. Uh, sesame growers were hit hard by Hannah as well. They've lost about 60 to 80 percent of the crop. Valley cattlemen right now are in the middle of a hay harvest. The valley is, well, as green as I can ever remember it heading into September. Valley citrus producers are back at work irrigating. Even after many groves receive 10 to 15 inches of rain, it's almost unbelievable that groves right now are needing irrigation water. And with the loss of the grapefruit, the remaining fruit should be bigger this year. And, of course, if growers can keep it clean, it'll be worth a lot of money. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Bayer AG is appealing a California jury's award of $20.5 million to a school groundskeeper who claims his non-Hodgkin's lymphoma was caused by using the popular weed killer Roundup. According to Reuters, Bayer argues the ruling was at odds with federal law and settled legal principles. The company's petition to the California Supreme Court said the Court of Appeals affirmed the verdict that severely punishes Monsanto for complying with a federal law. The petition says the Supreme Court should determine if a manufacturer of a federally approved herbicide can be liable under state law for failing to provide a cancer warning if federal regulators determined federal law does not permit it. According to Reuters, Bayer said the verdict by the California Court of Appeals will be used by other courts handling similar roundup claims. School groundskeeper Dwayne Johnson was initially awarded $289.2 million in the case. The trial judge reduced the award to $78.5 million. The Court of Appeals further reduced it to $20.5 million to comply with California law. Johnson's case is not included in the class action suit against Bayer. Are you worried about missing out on your favorite fair foods this fall? Well, Jessica Domel says there's no need to worry. The State Fair of Texas may be canceled for the year due to the pandemic, but that doesn't mean that you have to miss out on your favorite fair foods. The fair now plans to host its first ever Big Tex Fair food drive through to give people the opportunity to get their annual photo with Big Tex and get fair food to support the State Fair of Texas nonprofit mission. There are several fair foods and photo packages available for dates starting on September 25th and ending on October 18th. To buy your package, visit BigTex.com. That is BigTex, B-I-G-T-E-X dot com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. A Texas Panhandle cattle feeding representative was chosen to chair an Environmental Protection Agency committee. Tom Nicoletti talks with the new chairman. The Trump administration recently reactivated the Environmental Protection Agency's Farm, Ranch, and Rural Communities Federal Advisory Committee. In doing so, a Texas uh, farmer from the panhandle, Tom McDonald, has been appointed uh, the chairman of that committee. Uh, He uh, is joining us today from Hartley. Uh, He is Senior Vice President of Environmental Affairs and Sustainability with Five Rivers Cattle Feeding Company in Dalhart. He's uh, been with them for 25 years. Uh, The company's headquarters is in Johnstown, Colorado. And uh, Tom, uh, you have been chosen to serve as chairman of the 33-member committee. Your reaction to being appointed the chairman of the uh, EPA Federal Advisory Committee? Tom, I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you today. I have had the privilege of serving on the 
FRRCC uh, committee previously, and it's just an honor to be asked to come back and, and chair the committee. As you said, we've got 33 members on the committee, and they're very diverse backgrounds. We've got some from academia, some non-governmental organizations represented, the, the state and local tribal governments. So we've got a, a diversity of people, including all aspects of agriculture from around the country represented. And it's it's just an honor for me to serve along with those 33 individuals and uh, and advise EPA on how the the regulations that they have affect farmers and ranchers every day. What are your goals as chairman? Uh, maybe helping uh, agriculture make uh, inroads with EPA on decision makers. Absolutely, I'm sure it, it's the goal of of everyone that is on the committee to help. EPA understand the the uh, impacts of the rules and regulations that that they have for agriculture, but you know the the bigger thing is I think just to put a face on agriculture. We've been we've been told for a long time that agriculture needs to do a better job of telling our story, and um, there are folks within the agency that uh, don't understand agriculture. They don't have the background and the history. And I see that as a great opportunity for for us to be able to educate, inform them, and build relationships within the agency that hopefully will have an impact for years to come. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A new NRCS conservation compliance rule falls short of farmers' needs, according to the American Farm Bureau Federation. Michael Clements tells us how the rule doesn't address what Farm Bureau calls unfair treatment of farmers. The American Farm Bureau Federation says the highly erodible land and wetland conservation final rule does not remedy unfair enforcement by the Natural Resources Conservation Service. Don Parrish, AFBF Senior Regulatory Relations Director, calls the final rule problematic for farmers. If you combine bringing terms into this regulation that aren't congressionally authorized, like abandonment, changing the rainfall precipitation data that they use to make a determination on when things are prior converted. Minimal effect as well as incorporating into a regulation things that they have been using to bind farmers from guidance and manuals that farmers have never had an opportunity to comment on. All of those add up to this being a really problematic regulation. Parrish says farmers need clear rules and safeguards to ensure fair treatment of farmers in conservation compliance. It doesn't necessarily impact all farmers at once, but when it does impact a particular farmer, it has a significant implication for them. And unfortunately, it makes it really difficult for farmers to be able to go through the process, not only understand it, but it makes it very difficult for them to come out on the other side, feeling like they have been heard, feeling like they've gotten justification, and feeling like they've dealt with an agency that should work with them. Parrish says Farm Bureau will analyze the final rule closely to see what needs to happen next for farmers. Do these regulations specifically line up with the statute? That's a legal question. We're also going to look at the policy issues going forward. Come next farm bill, are there going to be issues associated with conservation compliance front and center? They may be, and we're going to look at that as well. My message to this administration, you missed an opportunity. That is a disappointing outcome, and we expected better. Michael Clements, Washington. 
A fishing tournament is giving out boats and scholarships. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll explain on Texas Ag Today. Plus, a very serious disease in dogs is increasing here in Texas. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. A fishing tournament is giving out boats and scholarships. Jessica Domel explains. We are entering the last few days of the Coastal Conservation Association of Texas annual State of Texas Anglers Rodeo. Dylan Sassman, Assistant Tournament Director, said the Star Tournament is a great opportunity for anglers to support coastal conservation in Texas. We're building reefing structures, improving marshes, those estuary systems. Just anywhere we see a good need for habitat improvement, that's where we're focusing right now. Anglers who catch the top fish in several categories have the opportunity to win one of several great prizes, including college scholarships. The most overlooked, and if I was eligible, this is what I would be targeting, is the gaff top, flounder, and sheep's head divisions. You know, for the adults, that's a 19-foot showwater cat. Star Kids, $50,000 scholarships, and Star Teen, $25,000 scholarships. And a lot of people overlook those. Sassman says even if you don't catch anything this year, there is potential that you could win as long as you enter. We give away a boat every year, a 210 Dargle Scout, just for entering. So you don't even have to fish to win a boat. And we do the same thing with a $25,000 scholarship. You can enter the Star Tournament at startournament.org. That is startournament.org. The tournament ends at 5 p.m. on Monday, September 7th. Registration is open for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service's 2021 Birding the Border. The event will take place April 29th through May 2nd in Del Rio. It will feature birding trips to a mix of private, restricted access, and public lands in Kinney and Valverde counties. A link to register is available on today.agrilife.org. That is today.agrilife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network... I'm Jessica Domel. A very serious disease in dogs is increasing in Texas, and it's spread by the kissing bug. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look. Chagas disease is transmitted by the kissing bug, and it's caused by a protozoal organism called Trypanosoma cruzi. Canine Chagas disease can cause inflammation and fibrosis of the heart, resulting in arrhythmias, heart dysfunction, heart failure, and even sudden death. Kissing bugs are commonly found around dilapidated housing and feed on blood for many domestic or wild animals, birds, reptiles, other insects, and even humans. The organism is very common in Texas as 50% of the kissing bugs tested were positive for the disease in one study. And the bugs are attracted to heat and carbon dioxide, which is found anywhere there is a high density of dogs. The parasite is transmitted from the feces of the bug coming in contact 
with any bite wound or breaking the dog's skin, but can also be transmitted if the dog swallows the entire kissing bug. Although the heart is the primary organ affected, other organs including the liver, spleen, kidney, and brain can be affected. The disease can cause symptoms as early as 21 days after infection, followed by an asymptomatic phase, and then a chronic disease can show up 8 to 36 months later. Clinical signs are related to the heart dysfunction and include weakness, lethargy, collapse, and signs of congestive heart failure, including abdominal enlargement and coughing. Blood tests are available to determine exposure to the parasite and aid in diagnosis. Unfortunately, treatment is not very successful. There are some medications used in affected dogs, but treatment success has been variable. If your vet determines your dog is in heart failure, it is possible Chagas disease could be involved. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We saw a lot of weakness in the cattle market on Wednesday. The futures market lower all day long and weakness in the cash trade. We'll take a closer look at all of the day's livestock, cotton, and grain market activity coming up next on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The weakness continues in the cattle market this week. Starting on the board in Chicago, we had another lower close across the board in both live and feeder cattle futures. Also seeing weakness in the cash market this week. Let's run down these futures prices. We'll start with live cattle where October was down a dollar, 104.47. December down 70 cents, 108.45. February live cattle down 70 cents, 112.05. Feeder cattle. Lower across the board again. September feeders down a dollar forty-two at one thirty-eight seventy. October down a dollar twenty, one thirty-nine forty-five. November feeder cattle down a dollar seventeen at one forty thirty-five. And that weakness spills over into the cash market. Cash fed cattle seeing some sales on Wednesday. One oh three is the live price. That's a buck lower from what we saw last week. Asking price is still out there at one oh five. The online fed cattle auction sold on Wednesday. We sold three hundred sixty five head. All of those were Texas cattle, and they all sold for one oh three. Boxed beef prices mixed. Choice down a dollar eleven. 227.23 select up 19 cents at 214.94 let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions in texas that sold tuesday east texas livestock in crockett sold 1589 head the trend was steady to higher two to three hundred pound steers brought a dollar sixty to a dollar eighty seven 
Three to four weight steers, $1.41 to $1.82. Four to five weight steers, $1.30 to $1.57. Five to 600 pounders brought $1.24 to $1.40. Six to seven weight steers, $1.12 to $1.29 a pound. Slaughter cows, 44 to 67 cents. Slaughter bulls, 83 to 94 cents. Stocker cows range from 700 to to 1050 ahead. At the Gulf Coast Livestock Auction in Alice, they sold 625 head, the trend steady to higher. 2 to 3 weight steers $1.50 to $1.85, 3 to 4 weight steers $1.40 to $1.80, 4 to 500 pounders $1.35 to $1.70, 5 to 6 weight steers $1.25 to $1.50, 6 to 7 weights brought $1.08 to $1.34, 7 to 8 weight steers 94 to $1.18 a pound. Slaughter cows, 30 to 66 cents. Slaughter bulls, 74 to 85. Stocker cows, 750 to 1,050 a head. Cow-calf pairs brought 800 to 1,250 a pair. And we had the weekly sheep and goat sale in San Angelo on Tuesday. San Angelo's producers' livestock selling 7,236 head of sheep and goats. Compared to last week, the wool feeder lambs 10 to 15 higher on those under 80 pounds. Slaughter hair lambs sold 10 to 15 higher. Slaughter ewes sold 10 to 12 higher. The kid goats were firm with some instances of 10 higher. Here's some of the prices wool feeder lambs ranging from $1.20 to $2.44. Slaughter lambs lighter weights selling $180 to $2.62. Heavier weight slaughter lambs $1.40 to $2.22. Slaughter ewes brought 50 to 98 cents kid goats 220 to 338 mostly in the 260 to 290 range now let's jump over to the cotton and grain markets the cotton market lower pressure coming from a strengthening u.s dollar remember if we have a weaker dollar that tends to favor exports of both cotton and grains so if we're getting a stronger dollar now you'll probably see just the opposite and that pressures prices we close with october cotton down 48 points 64.18 december cotton down 44 64.96 same thing in the Kansas City wheat market. Stronger dollar pressuring prices. December wheat down six and a quarter, 479 and a quarter. New crop July wheat down five and a half at 503 a bushel. Corn closed fractionally higher. December corn up three quarters, 358 and three quarters. The energy markets traded mixed. October natural gas down a penny at 250. October crude oil down a dollar 42. 4134 a barrel. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up yet another edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you right back here tomorrow with all of the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.